we have a special relationship that's not often found in a in you know Abby's getting to the age where she'd start separating from me and it's it's cool because out there we're just a couple of friends skiing and so to me the the it's actually created something that probably wouldn't have existed otherwise like when I ski my like my dad is still my dad but he becomes my guide dad so I get to like hang out with like a similar person but also slightly different person because he's a guide also Episode 285, Discovering a Passion for Skiing After Being Diagnosed as Legally Blind, with father and daughter Chris and Abby Duffy. Support for the Adventure Sports Podcast comes from Kind Snacks. Go check them out at kindsnacks.com adventure. There you'll get a 10-snack variety pack for just 10 bucks with free shipping. They'll send you some dark chocolate nuts and sea salt, some roasted jalapeno almond bars, and some of my favorite, my new favorites, are the mango apple chia pressed bars. So check them out and let them know we sent you by going to kindsnacks.com adventure. This episode is sponsored by Health IQ. If you're exercising regularly, don't you think you deserve a special rate on life insurance? Find out how much you can save by taking the health quiz for your adventure sport at healthiq.com adventure. A few minutes on their site could save you a bunch on your life insurance. Get rewarded for all your hard work at healthiq.com adventure. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hi friends, thank you for listening in to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. I have a couple of wonderful guests with us today. The father-daughter duo, Chris and Abby Duffy, are on the horn and we're going to talk to them about skiing And not just skiing, we have a little surprise for you. This is going to be a really, really fun show, and I love the father-daughter aspect of it. So, welcome to the program, Chris and Abby. Thank you, Kurt. Hi! It's really nice to have you here today. So, you live in Concord, New Hampshire, so not just skiing, we're talking about East Coast skiing, right? Yes, it's, uh, it's very different than West Coast, that's for sure. So, what do you like about skiing in the East? There's many different types of skiing conditions, so it's not like in the West where it's either perfect flat conditions or perfect fluffy conditions. It could be like ice, which is sometimes nice, but it's like a change. In the East Coast, you really need to have, you have to have really good technique for the, uh, for edging. Um, It's funny, when we go out West, there's people that say, we don't ski if if our skis make noise. Right. Uh, In the East, (laughs) your skis make noise. So um, when the weather gets rough and stuff, uh, we, do, we start to hit the trees. We do, do try to attack the powder uh, when, we, when we get it, which is not as often as the West Coast, for sure. Yeah, you bet. And so people talk about the East Coast cement. You guys get yes. more variable conditions, is what you're saying, and, yes, and you have yeah. to learn to ski it all. You have to, to ski the powder, the crud, the, the ice, the frozen granular. You're right if you can't ski at all, then you can't ski the East, so... That's yeah. why we have the stickers, Ski the East. The, the, the East is, is a special place. <laughs> I love it. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. You find a sport you love to do, you make the most of the conditions, the most of the location. That's what it's all about. And I say that over and over again on the show because I want people to realize you don't have to live in an adventure mecca to go out and have amazing adventures. There's adventure everywhere, and you just have to Absolutely. adapt to it, right? Yeah. And what's amazing is people, as, you, as you go, people tend to, and this, this hit me years ago, um, you always think you need to go someplace to have an adventure. And then I don't know when it occurred to me that people travel from all over the world to get to where I live. And I just underappreciated it. And that, that put a new set of eyes on it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Very good point. I think sometimes we really forget that where we are is special too. Because we Absolutely. see it every day, right? Yeah, you, you tend not to appreciate where you live as much. You, th- you think you need to travel elsewhere. Um, but the more you can look around and realize we all live in an amazing place to adventure, no matter, just about no matter where we live. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. So, Abby, how long have you been skiing? I've been skiing for about four years because I took, had my first couple ski days when I was nine when I actually won a stay at Loon Mountain, which is 
a mountain in New Hampshire, basically? So about four years. Yeah, yeah. we. How it started was very curious. As we we won a uh, a gift certificate to a local mountain, and and Abby had not started skiing yet. So I'm, we said, well, what's the worst that can happen? Let's go give it a try. And her first day of lessons, she was skiing top to bottom. So it kind of told me, I think I think there's a little bit more than skill in this girl. Top to bottom and obviously the easiest trail possible top to bottom. Right. <laughs> right. But that's saying a lot for a first day. It is. Right. We went from magic carpet to J-bar to, to lifts. Oh, that's fantastic. Day. That's fantastic. I think it's time that we rewind to get the backstory a little bit here. So... Abby has been skiing for four years. She's 13 years old. She's an excellent skier. And the, the reason that this is special is because Abby also went blind when she was six years old. Correct. And it just gives me so much um, motivation and encouragement, Abby. You do. You inspire me. Because you're not just becoming an excellent skier and being an excellent skier, but you're doing it with a unique challenge that I think would be really kind of scary for most people. But you've overcome it, and I love that. What I have is called LHON, or Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy, which basically means that the wire in between my eyes and my brain has withered. Although, at this point, it's not withering anymore, as anyone can tell which I am not completely blind. Blind is a spectrum of blindness. Like in skiing, there's B1, B2, and B3. B3 is for the people who are still considered blind, but are like can see some. B2 is for people who can see like shadows and stuff, and B1 is completely blind. So that's just like one way to sort of explain like the different spectrums of blindness, I guess. Correct. Okay, that's cool. So where do you fall on that spectrum? She's uh, B3, which is the most vision and still considered blind. Uh, what her condition does is, as she said, is the optic nerve is withered. So what happens is it's kind of like a brownout in your, in your house or, or the power's out and you're on a generator. Her eye doesn't get enough power to operate full, at full capacity. So what it does is it does the best with what it can which means it turned off her central vision, and she has only her peripheral vision. Mm, okay. Well, peripheral vision helps, but still. <laughs> it does. Uh, and the best way to understand what she can see is if you look straight forward without moving your eyes, you can see to the sides quite a ways, but you can't make out details, you can't make out words, but you can see color, and the biggest thing that you'll notice is you can see contrast and movement. Right. Which is, in hindsight, why skiing worked out so well. Abby's blindness set in when she was six years old. And I'd like to go back to the, the story when you found out that this was happening and what an impact that that may have had on your family. The way it happened was uh, my wife and my kids were at Disney, and... My son had started walking away from my wife, and she had told Abby, just go across the way and, and stay with your, with your aunt. And without think, you know, thinking twice about it, she, she went off to my son, and my daughter couldn't figure out where her aunt was, so had to go to a, one of those Disney figures and ask, I can't find my relative, can't find my aunt. And so when they got back from Disney, you know, we thought, well, she just needs glasses. Kids need glasses. It's okay. We didn't realize. So maybe she's farsighted, nearsighted. We didn't know. So we started going to, um, first we just went to a lens crafters to get her an eye test. And they said, well, if she's not going to take this seriously, then we're not going to treat her. What? The, <laughs> because the results she was saying didn't make any sense to them. Right. So they thought she was goofing. Um, Just and I, to let you know I wasn't goofing. Yeah, I she believe wasn't you. <laughs> so then we went to, you know, a series of eye doctors, and and then, you know, the diagnosis was, um, I think it was called malingering, uh, where there's a psychosomatic situation in your brain where you actually have physical symptoms for mental situations. And that didn't make any sense to me either. 
And then I started getting a little nervous because, you know, people can get tumors in the brain and, and all these so-called experts couldn't figure it out. Um, and it took about six months of very diligent effort on my part to find out that she had a, a very rare hereditary disease. In fact, every year, from what I understand, if you put all the people diagnosed with this, they'd fit into a, you know, a Wendy's quite comfortably. Wow. So um, once we figured out that she didn't have a tumor, she, she's blind. It's not going to get any, you know, any worse than what it is. You take a deep breath and you go, okay, now what? Um, and that's kind of the, where the story of the skiing picks up. Not directly from that moment, but that's where we started rebuilding of what could we, what could she still do, and not just do, but thrive. Sure. That was key. You know, we didn't want, so she played. Um, soccer. She played soccer with her friends until they started getting really serious. She would play goalie, actually, because she, in her mind, said, well, if I'm out in the field, I have to know where the ball is, and if I'm the goalie, it's coming to me. It's much easier than chasing everyone around all over the place, not knowing what I'm doing. Right. So sure. she was actually, when she was small, one of the best goalies, because every time someone came with the ball, she'd attack them, and she'd drop <laughs> on the ball, which was, but as you can see, that's not a, a, a healthy pursuit long term. Right. So that's where the gift certificate to a local mountain came in. We actually and, won it at a blind walkathon. Yep, we did a uh, we did a, a, a charity walk for the blind community after we knew what was going on, and that's how it's kind of serendipity. And now that I think about it, is we got a uh, gift certificate, and that's where skiing took off. How exciting! So I want to ask this question to each of you, but Chris, let's start with you. What did you think the first day on the mountain? Were you thinking, boy, I don't know how this is going to go? I mean, what were your concerns? What were your excitements? What were you look forward, looking forward to? Well, a couple things come to mind. One, I knew she was very athletic because when she was two years old, I tossed her a baseball and she caught it and threw it back to me. So I knew there was athletic ability in there from the start. Right. Um, but in the same sense... I try not to set expectations in life that don't need to be set. So that's just setting yourself up for, for disappointment. I, I listen to a lot of your adventures, and you have to be careful about what expectations you put before you. Um, all I could do is set it up for the best success, put her on the right equipment, and encourage her, and the rest was up to her. Yeah, absolutely. So, Abby, what were your first thoughts? Go back four years for us. Were you pretty excited? Were you nervous? How did you feel about skiing? I was pretty excited, but the first time I saw skis, they honestly looked kind of like weird shoes, and I was very confused because <laughs> I didn't know why I was putting these long sticks onto my feet. And the first thing that I did was learn to duck walk, which is basically just walking with your skis in like a triangle behind you. Right. And I fell so many times when trying to duck walk. I bet like regular skiers were just like laughing. But after I actually started to actually ski, it ended up being like a really awesome thing. Like super fun. Yeah. So you say it was super fun. I want to drill into that a little bit. What made it fun for you? It's one of the only sports that I can like do easily. Like my at this point, my dad skis with me, and we ski everywhere. But what made it fun at the very beginning was falling, because if I fell, it was just like I could just like stand back up, and I wouldn't fall again for another few feet, if that makes any sense, which it probably doesn't. <laughs> no, I, I can understand that. It's the challenge of it. It's falling down onto the snow and, and laughing and getting back up again, and then the challenge to try again. And So it took some, some tenacity, some hard work on your part, to uh, like it does anybody who wants to try to learn to ski, but that first day was a challenge, huh? It was, and but when I finally got to sit on a chairlift, I was so proud of myself because I was just like, I get to sit on the chair thing, yay! <laughs> right, I love it. You know, the first day of skiing is like that. I think it's like that for pretty much everybody. And my family and I are avid skiers. We love to ski, so I totally get what you're talking about. Um, what a neat thing. 
Hey guys, this is Travis. I'd like to talk for a moment about Kind Snacks. Kind recently became a sponsor of the Adventure Sports Podcast, and we are stoked to have them with us because Kurt and I were Kind customers long before they became sponsors of the show. We truly do buy Kind bars to throw in our hydration packs for a mountain bike ride or our backpacks when we're out on the trail. We grab Kind Snacks instead of others because we can actually pronounce the ingredients on the back of the package, and they all taste awesome. You guys need to take advantage of the deal they're giving our listeners. Simply go to kindsnacks.com slash adventure to get a 10-bar sampler case for just 10 bucks. Think about it. That's only a dollar a bar. Then because we know you're going to love them and you're going to go back for your second order, Kind is going to give you your $10 back by discounting your second order. That's a no-brainer, so don't wait. Go get your 10-bar sampler case now. Go to kindsnacks.com slash adventure. All right, I'll let Kurt get back into the interview. Guys, don't wait. Go check out that deal. So Chris, the the first day of skiing is over and you're like, okay, we found a sport that we love and we can do. So where did you guys go from there? Well, we finished that weekend and I knew we had something. And again, it was, it was a similar emotion, but different, um, is okay. You know, before it was okay. She's blind. Now what? I said, okay, we have a skier. Now what? <laughs> right. And I didn't even know where to go, and that's when we started looking towards adaptive uh, ski organizations at local mountains. And in fact, over the next that season and the beginning of next season, we probably tried on, so to speak, a half dozen different organizations, and they're all they're all wonderful. But then we found a nice home uh, at Cannon Mountain. They had a nice uh, adaptive program with the adaptive sports partners up there. And it was just like we had fallen into a family. And Mm. so I didn't have to worry so much about what do I do. There was people that have, they said, oh, we know how to do this. And that's what really got us to where we needed to be. Oh, that's great. And that was going to be my next question, actually. Um, I've seen blind skiers on the slopes before, and sometimes they have a guide that's, you know, calling out directions, saying left, right, speed up, slow down, that sort of stuff. When the two of you ski together, how does it work out? We have headsets. Well, we didn't use to, but now we have headsets, which connect to our, like, helmets. Like, you're a skier. You know what a helmet is. Oh, yeah. It's like the thing that goes over your head. Okay. And a microphone comes down in front of, like, an ear, like, your ear flap thing and the back of your goggles have a clip-on thing that you can attach like the battery pack for the headphones onto and you zip in the earpieces in with like the puffing stuff for the ear pads right sure where we started was uh again we didn't know what we didn't know uh in hindsight it was we were kind of clumsy but it felt like we were figuring it out is I would ski in front of her, and she would just trail behind me. But what we found was we I could not give her enough feedback about different conditions. So if there was a tricky condition, we'd have to stop, and I'd have to paint a picture of the next 100 feet, 200 feet. Then we'd ski and stop. Um, and then I knew we were in a, a little bit of a trouble when I, I found her skiing behind another person who just be ha- happened to be wearing the same colored clothing about my size. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I knew we had to to come up with a different system. And in our case, we tend not to wear, much to the um, chagrin of, of others, we tend not to wear those vests that say blind and uh, guide, uh, although we're starting to change a little bit our minds. Because Abby tends to be a person who wants you to meet her first and then realize she's blind rather than have the blindness right up front. Oh, sure. So that so that's something that we do. And so we've graduated, like Abby said, to uh, a microphone. It's actually a motorcycle microphone set. And now what I can do is almost free ski. And she can see around her. And what I am is I... Only this is why it's good to think about is I'm replacing her central vision. Right. So I'm looking forward. What would 
what am I noticing 30 to 100 feet ahead that she's going to need to know? Um, and then she just free skis behind me, which is fantastic. Also, one thing about not weighing the bibs is I, after a couple of years, I learned that if you sit on a chairlift with somebody, like, and you're wearing, like, a blind bib, then they're just like, let's talk about your blindness and nothing else. Right. right. Yeah. And I they also that. slow down the chairlifts. They mean well, but we don't need any of that. And, again, like Abby has said, we know she's blind. We've talked about it. We'd like to talk about other things. It's not that we're embarrassed or she's embarrassed. It's it's just we, we'd love to talk about what everybody else wants to talk about. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Abby, good for you. I love it. Chris, good for you, too. And I'm so glad that you have skiing a sport that you guys can enjoy this much. So what do you love about skiing? What makes it a special sport for you guys? For me, it's, it's it, as a dad, is we have a special relationship that's not often found in a, and, you know, Abby's getting to the age where she'd start separating from me. And it's, it's cool because out there we're just a couple of friends skiing. Right. And... So to me, the, the, it's actually created something that probably wouldn't have existed otherwise. Like when I ski, my, like my dad is still my dad, but he becomes my guide dad. Right. So I get to like hang out with like a similar person, but also slightly different person because he's a guide also. And also, skiing is just kind of awesome because it's probably the closest people are either ever going to get to like going that fast by themselves. Like, you can, there's other sports, but sports are the only things that you can actually go fast. So you can't run as fast as you can ski right. by any means. Oh, absolutely. So it's just fun to go fast. Oh, yeah. I think people often describe skiing as uh, kind of like flying, right? It's uh, and yeah. very similar. It's because gravity is assisting the movement, right? All you have to do is kind of guide the movement, and, and so... It's such a cool thing. So what's your favorite kind of skiing conditions, Abby? Do you like powder or do you like, like, packed powder? What's your favorite? Depends. If I've had, like, six days of powder already, then definitely powder. But the first couple days of powder, like, the third day of powder is obviously is sort of brutal because you your legs are super tired. So if I had to choose one condition to ski constantly, it would probably just be either groomers or just, like, crazy something. Because if it's always powder, then my legs would keep getting tired and untired. Right. Yeah. Hit, like every couple days. Yeah, powder can be tough. So you said something crazy. What is something crazy for you? What do you like to ski that's crazy? Well, sometimes, like, there's this thing that my dad calls chowdo, which is basically just frozen snow that makes your skis chatter which it's still sort of edgeable, but it makes its weird noise, which I find that kind of fun. Also, like, in the springtime, when there's a bunch of, like, grass in the trails, you can ski over it as long as you ski correctly, except if you don't, then your skis will get under the snow when you get back onto snow, and your skis will pop off, and you, like, do a Superman, <laughs> which I've done before. Superman. Superwoman. We had that happen this spring. Um, once in a while, I forget she's blind. Um, I know that seems strange, but I forget to feed her a piece of information because it seems obvious. Uh, we were skiing at Killington, which is in Vermont nearby, and we were skiing across a grass section back to a snow section, and she didn't unweight her tips. So when she hit the snow, since it was corn's uh, spring snow in the corn she actually plugged the front of her two skis right into the snowpack <laughs> and went flying with two skis just sticking in the snow with no skier on them it was pretty funny <laughs> well did you get hurt abby or did it turn out okay no i well falling's fun because when you get back up you're i'm always i'm always laughing and I've gone to the point where I don't fall that much. Like, I used to have, like, a fall count, and now my fall count is above, like, one a day or two a day. Then I had, like, a crazy... Then I must have been skiing something, like, insane. Right. So, if I fall a lot, that means I'm having fun. And I've never fallen to the point where I actually get very hurt. Except for that one time when somebody ran me over. 
with their skis. But anyways, <laughs> so I've never really gotten hurt, and I don't usually get hurt, so no. I think I answered your question. Oh, yeah, you know, that's great. That's great. And I kind of wanted the listeners to hear that because we have listeners from all around the planet, and a lot of them have never skied. So I want them to kind of get a feel for what it's really like. You know, when you fall on snow or even in the conditions you're talking about, where it's kind of variable snow, there is a slide layer there. And most of the time, it doesn't really hurt much. You, you have to fall just right before you mess yourself up. Wouldn't you agree with that, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah, which she, makes it a lot she, of fun. And, and the other thing that we have, that um, there's a saying that I go by, is if, if there's a situation you can't, you know, if you don't like a situation, then change it you can't change it change your attitude so we we're constantly changing our attitude so when you fall it's not bad and in fact when we have what would upset other people um we we say okay now we'll remember this ski trip or we'll remember this ski day now because this happened because uh, if you if you think back of the best ski days or the best adventures the ones you don't remember the ones that we got up perfect, everything went great, we got up to the top where we were fine, we went down, everything was great. You don't remember those. You remember the th- days that something didn't go right. And so we almost thrive on looking for something not to go. I mean, we don't go out of our way to get hurt or anything, but when we lose a ski in the woods and we, it takes us an hour to find it, that's we laugh because we're, we're going to remember this now. Or like when my dad forgot his gloves at the place that we were staying in Utah for the last day, the first time that we went to Utah, and it was one of the coldest days in Utah so far, and he only had spring gloves, which are basically, for us, really, really thin gloves, and his hands got, like, frozen. That made the day awesome. What was funny (laughs) is we went to Utah for many days, and I had my nice winter mittens, and it was just perfect it was sunny every day when my hands were sweating so every time you went on a lift you take them off diligently wouldn't you know what the last day was cold a, a snowstorm was coming in and all i remembered was my my glove liners <laughs> so and you, you didn't have what you needed on the day you needed it and you had what you needed on the day you didn't but we were able to to make two and you just put your hands in your pocket each time and we put extra um you know those little um, hand warmers. Hand warmers in it, and we laughed because I said, "We'll remember it out of the whole trip. This is the day we're going to remember because something happened." Yeah. It's, so we have fun even in adversity. So tell me what you started this whole talk about the the saying that you have about challenges and and how you deal with them. Say that again. If there's a situation you don't like, change it, and if you can't change it, change your attitude. I love that. I love that. I want to. We we really go by that. Um, And again, we try not to set too many expectations. It doesn't mean we don't challenge ourselves. It's a different mindset. Um, So we do do keep pushing ourselves. You know, when we started, Abby thought she, since she was so good of a skier, we thought, well, maybe she should become a ski racer. In fact, we had a a, a, per, a coach ski with her. In fact, he was reluctant at first to ski with her because he says, I don't have time for a blind girl. Ugh. But reluctantly, he skied with us and within two runs wanted to be our coach and said, I could get you to the Paralympics. She's that good. That's awesome. But what happened was over time, we, you know, we, tra- we trained for, for ski racing and we we didn't she didn't like the the trade-offs you have to make to ski race you have to wait you have to practice in a certain way and then i made the mistake or the opportunity we watched the warren miller film and her world opened up you know they had hella skiing they had girls in um a camper that went skiing for for eight weeks and did nothing but skiing and from then on the 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 whole skiing is it's bigger than us. It's it's fun to see that there's so much ahead of us that we're not topped out yet. Oh yeah, absolutely. I get what you're talking about with the ski racing. Uh, my my eldest son raced for a while and he really enjoyed it and he learned a ton. But in the end, he said, "I just want to free ski. 
I want to go where I want to go and do what I want to do and have fun. And, yes. and I totally support that because that's what he enjoys. And why do we do this stuff if we're not doing it in a way that we can enjoy it? Absolutely. I really liked the idea of racing, but I didn't like what racing meant. Like you had to do all this other stuff and it wasn't just like you ski up to like the gates and then you ski them. Right. You had to do all this other training stuff. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I knew Abby's eyes were opened up when she said, you know, I bet the best ski trails don't have a ski lift to them. Right. <laughs> and I said, oh, she she's hooked. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask about that next anyway, and I'm glad you, you brought that up. You mentioned skiing in the trees. Yes. And so the way that you described Abby's eyesight is that she's not going to see the tree straight in front of her, but she can see those that are beside her, right? Correct. So what are the challenges in skiing the trees, Abby? How do you manage that? Well, sometimes you end up hugging a tree. But <laughs> other than that, probably the challenges are crashing into trees. But you can I usually follow my dad much closer to the tails of his skis when we're in trees. Wait, I just rhymed. Okay. Okay. So because then I cannot crash into trees. Like we were in Utah, we went off trailing in like the trees because my dad saw other ski tracks and I almost fell off cliffs and stuff, but I didn't. So that was good. <laughs> the the almost that didn't happen. She's making it much, seem much more dangerous than It what wasn't we did. that bad. It was like <laughs> two point cliffs. But yeah. What we what we would do is we were skiing um, the back bowl of solitude because uh, what would happen is they'd get in a snowstorm and it got all choppy and terrible on the front and people were up there that didn't know how to ski. So I said, you know what? I'd rather deal with the trees than the people. So we skied down the backside and it was wonderful. But like Abby says, is when things get a little tight, she'll just ski closer behind me and then I, I can let her let her free ski and then I'll have her tighten up and then free ski and then tighten up. So I can ski her right through dangerous sections to go right behind me. And then when it's an open section, I go, you know, I can just say you're free and she can do whatever she wants. And I'll say lock on and she'll get right behind me again. So we can kind of go in and out of, of guiding and free skiing pretty easy now. Oh, that's a neat system. So, Abby, you're able to see, like, the, the back of your dad's skis, maybe his boots and stuff, and follow those if you're close enough then. Yep. That works out great. What was fun, what was fun is this year is we both really enjoyed the powder because we, we were able to be out west when they actually got some serious powder. And it was fun to see Abby learn that some of her East Coast techniques don't work in the powder. <laughs> that's so right. That was fun. They don't look well in powder. You have to they, follow no, your face correct. a lot. You know, she had to learn that, you know, you can unweight your tips and f come up the float. And you can weight your tips and get the back pressure of the powder to slow down. We don't have that problem in the east very much. Right. Well, in skiing, the powder, is it's like learning to ski all over again. But, man, is yes. it fun once you get used to it. Mm. Oh, mm. We, we, we crave it, and that's what's, what's difficult is we... You know, when we go out to Utah for like, you know, nine days or something, we just, we lock onto it, we're good, and like, oh no, we got to go home again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, skiing is so much fun, and uh, I'd like to kind of go back, though. You said you found a home uh, with, at Cannon Mountain with yes. the adaptive program there. And yes. so I would like to go back and drill into that just a little bit. Um, adaptive sports for skiers just about anybody that has some sort of a challenge can still ski. There's always a way. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure that you guys have, have made some wonderful friends and seen some, some amazing skiers that have had to adapt to skiing in a different way. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what's possible. They're a great organization. There's many great organizations. I'm not disparaging anybody. It's, 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 you just tend to click with some people in organizations better than others and we really latched on to them and they really see life as an ad adaptation we all adapt it's and so it's not even that different to have someone come in that's that's uh in a wheelchair or has a, you know is autistic deaf. or or a deaf yep a friend of ours is a was a professional skier that was deaf 
And it's all about how to adapt and have people with uh, special conditions, special abilities that um, they can go experience the, the nature and skiing and they do many other activities too um, in a way that they're, they, so they're not trapped in their, in their living room. They can go out and go, I'm part of nature just like everybody else, which is it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I really encourage people, if you have some sort of a physical challenge, um, go try skiing. Because it could be oh, yeah. such a liberating experience, you know? It's liberating for everyone, but it's a great equalizer. Well, I know when I uh, did some volunteering, you know, Abby would be doing her lessons because, you know, she would go off with her own guide. And I would ski some, with some other kids and some adults. Um, I got as much out of it as they got. I was just tickled. Um, I, you know, I, I had, I found there were certain type skiers, certain conditions. I did well with former athletes, for instance, that uh, for one reason or another got in an accident or had some condition. So they had the athletic ability behind them. Um, I also did well with autistic kids. Everybody will have a knack, but if you go give it a try, it's just amazing that I, as the guide and the and the mentor, got as probably more out of it than they got, which was unexpected. Yeah. Well, cool. I love the adaptive sports organizations. I'm a big proponent of what they're doing, and so kudos to you guys. Thanks for what you've done there. Sure. Hey, friends, Kurt here. You know we might have the healthiest audience of any podcast on the planet. I don't know. It, it it just seems to me that people that are out there doing adventure sports have to be pretty healthy. They appreciate being healthy and they love to get out there and move. And we recently got a new sponsor, Health IQ, and they reward people who love to be healthy. This is cool stuff. So do you exercise five times a week? If so, then you probably think you deserve a different rate on your life insurance. You're not the smoker. You're not the one who's out there abusing his or her body and and having a lot of health issues that result. Instead, you're out there moving and eating right and doing right things. So shouldn't your premiums be lower? Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like cyclists, runners, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Matter of fact, research shows that those who frequently exercise with some intensity have a 22% lower cancer risk, a 56% lower heart disease risk, and up to a 34% lower risk of an early death. So why not get rewarded for that? Historically, you get penalized for your family history, body mass index, and other attributes, but you don't get rewarded for your health-conscious lifestyle. Well, Health IQ does reward you for your health-conscious lifestyle with special rates on life insurance. How cool is that? To get more information and a free quote, go to healthiq.com forward slash adventure and make sure you do use that forward slash adventure that makes sure that they know where you heard about them on the Adventure Sports Podcast. So healthiq.com forward slash adventure. By now, you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering.
Well, Abby, will you describe for me what one of your favorite days of skiing was like? What's it like to go skiing? Probably one of my favorite days was maybe the first time I got my new skis this year. Like, the conditions weren't anything special. I don't actually remember what mountain I was at, but I just, this last season, got some pink vocals which are actually, like, super awesome skis. They were for Christmas, and I was so happy. And they're the best skis I've ever had. And that whole day, I was taking such sharp turns and stuff, like stuff that I couldn't do before on my other skis. That was probably one of my favorite days. Or just, like, my first powder day, which was probably even in the East, was my first powder day. It was just, both of those were just awesome. Mm, sure. What we did last season was, um, I won't, I don't want to say we've graduated from adaptive, but to grow, what we did is we got a thing called a max pass, which allows us, uh, tickets to many different mountains. So we could really get around and ski variety, ski different conditions. And so that's what we were doing last year on our own is we were, we were in, um, Sugarloaf, Maine, which is way up in the northern part of Maine, and they got basically West Coast powder, and that's what Abby's talking about. Is she was on her new pink skis? They were wide; they they could hold an edge when necessary, and I'll, it's it's fun to watch Abby ski day after day after day, and it seems like in just one run, she grows. That one run right there. She's now a different skier, and now we've just leveled up. Oh, yeah. And that's an amazing thing to watch. Um, and she's on equipment now. I can put her on equipment that she can get the most out of it because she's of the skill level, and it's just a fun thing to watch. You know, Chris, when I started teaching my kids to ski, it was in a way like I got to re-experience learning to ski all over again, which I found to be maybe more fun than when I learned myself. Did you experience yes. that? What I did is I found, as I, 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 I'm with you because I started skiing so young, I don't remember. It just, it, it's, it's too long ago. So it's almost like I learned how to ski for the first time again, just like you're saying. But it also what was fun was I had to get better because in your skill level, it's one thing to be good. But you have to be a whole different level to be able to teach somebody else. I had to start breaking down the mechanics of, okay, what is actually happening? What am I actually doing? And how do I, because one of the things we lose with Abby, and I, I realize this over time, is we as people, athletes, learn how to do things by emulation. Sure. We watch other people do something, and then we emulate that, and then we may modify it to our liking. But initially, we watched somebody else do it. She can't see other people do it. So right. how do I describe things? How do the, me the mechanisms, how do I get her into the situations where she can understand, oh, now I understand how you can take that arc and not scrub off your speed in the corners. And it, it's it's fun when she gets it. And, it, and it's, it's fun for me because I'm like, okay, I figured out how to translate that information to her. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, when I was teaching my kids, I, was always, I would often say, okay, watch what I do and do exactly this. And what you have learned to do then is to say, okay, it's got to feel like this. You've got to get this angle in your body, right? Yep. And, and yep. it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like this. It's going to sound like this. That's neat. That takes it to a whole new level. And what we can do is... She now has the skills, so we've, again, I keep saying leveled up, that's what it's all about, is I'll tell her to play with something. You know, use your inside knee and, and use it like a rudder. Point it where you want to go. Just try it. See what happens. And then two or three runs later, she, she's got it. She's doing it. I didn't really have to give her that much instruction. I just kind of teased it out. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch, and it's cool to see that she has all that skill and then I'll say you know play with this just just try see what happens uh some things don't work obviously or I realize oh we're not there yet 
we got to, but again, as a, as a teacher, you go, okay, I skipped four steps right there. I didn't realize because again, if, if some of us, we've been skiing long enough that we forgot, you know, ask anybody, how did you learn how to walk? And they can't tell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. That makes you, uh, probably one of the best instructors out there. Just because you've taken uh, the time to think it through so much, you you have different right. ways to look at it. Again, it's about adapting, and then uh, it, it's 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 fun, but you also have to remember it's just not the mechanics. We're on the ski. The, you have to keep all these other pieces in in mind. It's about having fun. It's about camaraderie. It's about friendship. It's about being out in the environment. And I know that Abby's into this when it's 5:45, it's 30 degrees out and she's like get up dad let's go right day was 5:50. well how many days did you ski last season we skied 50 days 50 days that's hard to do how do you manage to get 50 days in it's a commitment um and some of it is a benefit of 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 blindness i was kind of trip on that going you know, if there's a benefit, uh, there's lots of things that she doesn't do. She doesn't do basketball with the, the team at school, you know, and different things. So we have it, but we ski every weekend and we ski on vacations. Uh, we've just made it a priority in the winter to do, uh, so you don't get the winter blues. You actually attack it. Sure. You know, you attack winter. So we, we strung together 50 days. Man. I, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, that's a lot of skiing. I think people that work at a ski area and have a season pass and uh, they're just totally ski bumming have a hard time doing much more than 50 days. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – but, uh, again, what we it's, – it's what we do. We, we enjoy doing it. We enjoy being together, which is, which is and a big bonus. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, it's something we've prioritized. It's athletic. Uh, I'm not a gym rat. So if I'm not going to ski, I don't know what I would do to keep that kind of fitness. In fact, in the winter, I lose weight and I'm in better shape than I am in the summer, which is it's kind of which opposite. Is <laughs> which is opposite opposite for a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah. So Abby, what do you guys do during the summer to stay in shape for skiing in the winter? We do a lot of hiking and we got and we have a tandem bike. And I also do crew rowing, which is, if you don't know what it is, it's the rowing with the moving seats, basically. Sure. I find that good because everyone rows backwards, if you don't know. Right. And there's a person who calls out what to do. So when I do that, I don't get any handicaps. Skiing and rowing are my two sports, although skiing is obviously going to go way above rowing. But we base, me and Dad basically do tandeming. uh we have done some like running races, but I'm not very good at them and hiking and basically just little, little things in the summertime. Right. Well, cruise sounds awesome. Do you guys know the book, the, the boys in the boat? No. Okay. You can download it from audible, do that. And, uh, I think that will inspire you, Abby. It's a, it's an amazing story about the Washington team that was in the Olympics in the thirties. I, I don't remember what the exact year was, but just a very well-written book about, about crew. Very, very cool stuff. Abby, you're going to love that book. So okay. listen to that one and it will inspire you. You might even start to like rowing as much as skiing, though I'm not going to say that for sure, but it's possible. What's nice about the rowing is she can be an athlete athlete with all the girls. She gets the camaraderie that you get in a team and she can, and she can row on par with everyone else. Oh, absolutely. She's not, she's not handicapped at all. And she, when she goes to high school, that's a competitive out, outlet. You know, most people, uh, myself included in high school, you were on a team, you had the camaraderie, there was competition and we've transformed skiing away from being competitive per se uh so the rowing can come in and she can and she can get her trophies oh yeah and an amazing exercise as well and i love the idea of the tandem bike that's got to be fun yes uh, uh we did that and we just she forgot because we just got it uh we were just um 
received a tandem, I mean, a catamaran, a 16-foot catamaran. So that's something else we're going to be able to do together. Um, we look for things where it's very active, it's very adventurous, and we're to get, you know, it, we were going to do stand-up paddle boards, for instance, but we can easily get separated. Sure. So we look for things that we can either control the separation or we're not separated. And so we're looking forward to trying a catamaran out this summer. Oh, yeah, that'll be fantastic. That's awesome. That's a whole different world to us. Well, that's so cool. If people want to follow your story and learn more, how can they do that? I created a website called Hayduff, H-E-Y-D-U-F-F, Hayduff.com, and I'm going to be posting uh, all of our adventures and, and where we're headed and what we're doing on that site. That's really, really cool. I appreciate your time very much today, guys. Abby, Thank congratulations. You. Um, Thank you. It's inspiring what you're doing, Abby. I love to see your athleticism and your love of, of adventure. And Chris, same to you, man. Thanks for coming on the Adventure Sports Podcast and encouraging others. You know, don't let anything get in your way. Go out and do yeah. stuff, right? As I, as I said, is you got to be careful not to bubble wrap your world. You got to get out there and experience. Oh, yeah. And I have to repeat the, the words of advice that you said one more time. If there's a situation you don't like, change it. And if you can't change it, then change your attitude. I love Absolutely. that. May I Absolutely. use that on future shows? I'm, I'm going to keep Absolutely. bringing that one back. That's, that's, uh, that, that gets you through a lot of adversity. Yeah, it really, really does. So, Well, thanks, guys, so much for your time today and for sharing your special story. Very, very cool. Thank you, Kurt. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. And for all of our listeners out there, thanks again for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. And remember, until the next show, get out there, have some fun. If mountain bikes are your thing, be sure to tune in to Monday's episode as we talk about mountain biking with Mike Bursich. Until then, get out and have some fun.